Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, anywhere you are, BBT. Welcome to another episode of After Hour with Traders. Uh, today is absolutely a special episode because we're with Brian. Brian, welcome. Hello. And from sunny Florida, we have Mr. Thor Young. Hello. Well, welcome to the Matrix. Did I say that yeah. right? Yeah. Because you just had the webinar on... Uh, yeah, I mean, we just did the webinar on tape reading, and, and, it, and it, there are some obvious parallels there to that movie set, but there is just something about when you're tape reading. It just makes you feel like you're kind of stepping into this, <laughs> you know, different view of the market. It's certainly a lot of fun. Yeah. But we had a great webinar for it on Tuesday. Great attendance at BBT um, in the webinar room, so it was a lot of fun. Amazing. Yeah, good on you. We got a really, really packed show uh, this week. Of course, it was a it was a terrible week. I mean, if you were an investor, uh, pretty amazing week if you were a trader, uh, really uh, scary stuff. And then this week, we, we actually added a new segment to the show called Ask a Trader, where you submit your questions and we answer them. So I'm really excited about this week's episode. Um, if this is your first time watching this, please make sure to like it, subscribe to our, ch uh, to our channel, of course. Uh, without further ado, let's get started. Brian, what yeah. a week. We are in <laughs> correction territory. We are definitely in correction territory. Um, you know, it, looking for a bottom, but uh, clearly haven't found it yet. Um, I think we're going we're gonna to see a bottom eventually, but uh, yeah, there's just a lot of negativity out there right now. But, you know, like uh, a lot of seasoned investors and seasoned traders say you know you you look for the blood in the streets and that's uh, you know that's when that's when you get back in so uh, certainly lots of blood in the streets today but maybe maybe more to come certainly the uh, the close today didn't give us any indication that uh, the selling was over yet oh yeah you know before we started recording i was just telling Tor we didn't even get a short covering uh before the market closed so people are confident the sell-off will continue thor from your point of view what do you think what's happening well you know if you're looking back at the spy for instance the etf and how it's been tracking over the course of the past few months i mean first word that comes to mind is distribution um, right. As you look at it over time, you'll notice that most of the green candles on are on really small volume and most of the red candles are on really high volume. Um, and it, so it just kind of seems like every time we started to sell down, our volume would come in. And we've been doing that for a very long time. I mean, since November, really. Um, and, and back in the end of December, we had the Christmas rally and it happened with no volume. Uh, the Christmas rally pushed straight up to all time highs, but it did it on the weakest push I've ever seen in my trading uh, career, which is, you know, a little over four years at this point. Um, and then we just started breaking the range down basically ever since. And today, like Brian was saying, no, in, no indication of what Monday will bring at the moment because, I mean, we closed straight down. I mean, we got no bounce, no bump. No, no cover rally, nothing into the end of the day. I mean, maybe Monday, dead cat bounce, maybe, we could look for. But, I mean, we pulled back, tested the average price, um, VWAP on the daily, and then just straight sold all day afterwards. So it'll be really interesting to see where we go. I, I personally feel like the market could easily go back down into the low 400s um, before we start truly hitting what I would consider to be like some kind of massive area, uh, you know, where I think like people who have been, you know, because you got to think we were only in the low 400s, like barely a year and a half, ago, like a year ago. So it's it's not like it's we've got long term and participants that have been here for 10 years, 15 years propping this level. You know, it's pretty short term. So 
But I agree with Brian in the sense that I think we'll find a bottom maybe hopefully sooner than that. We do have a large value area just looking at charts right now coming in in uh, just under 435. So it's a couple bucks away. Huge value area that goes back through July. Um, so that that maybe maybe we find some help there. I hope for all those invested long. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that bounced for you. <laughs> I'm liquid, so let's play it by day by day and have some fun. <laughs> yeah, I think your, your point about, um, it was funny because it made me think of some of the, the swing trade videos I've done over the last uh, month or so, and I kept noting as the SPY was sort of breaking out, going higher, kept saying, there's, there's no volume. This is not the kind of uh, move you like to see without volume. So it, yeah, it was, it was sort of a harbinger of things that we were about to see, so. Yeah, always easier to see in hindsight, obviously, but you know, but I think I think those signs were there, and, and and unless you were being maybe a little too optimistic, I think there were there was definitely some telltale signs out there that things were going to at least struggle a bit. You know, actually, there were signs. I think three episodes ago we talked about how in 2018 spy had a 10% drawdown. Same with 2016. So we kind of anticipated it. Uh, I mean, of course, we know Andrew didn't hedge his CNA position <laughs> until, <laughs> until later. Until later, uh, but yeah, we there there the writings was was on the wall. But it's always very interesting. Every time market sells, the bears who have been hiding, <laughs> hibernating, they come out, uh, especially on CNBC, and they start saying, "Hey, this is going to be a twenty percent drawdown, a thirty percent drawdown." How deep you think this can go? I mean, I know you mentioned there's a value point at 435, so that would be about 15% drawdown. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's, you know, every time I post a swing trade video, I, you know, I have to re, um, you know, recalibrate my uh, support levels because every time I set a support level, the market goes below it, it breaks down and goes further down. But yeah, it's, I mean, at some point we are going to see some support. Um, and uh, the, the area that uh, Thor pointed out is probably uh, the next level that I would be looking for support. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, well, we got, we got to think too, right? I mean, thinking of the bears, right? There, there is actually an interest in buying coming up very soon, which is profit, right? We have lots of bears with those selling that was going off. That was short selling coming in most likely, right? So we do have bears that have now gotten a very sweet move and a very big drop. So if we do get a drastic pullback, that could certainly initiate a very aggressive cover rally that could get us back a good amount of, you know, of that. So, but it'll be one of those things that we're not gonna know it's gonna happen until it begins to happen. And then you're just gonna have to be ready to play. But you, we can't get too excited and try to anticipate that too early because, you know, again, who, who knows where this thing bottoms. But once it does, I do genuinely believe it'll, there will be lots of short covering. We'll get a nice good, uh, nice good squeeze out of it for sure. If you're an option trader, there's lots of uh, really good strategies once we get that reversal. Like risk reversal strategies, selling some put, buying some calls, uh, that could really make you a lot of money. So uh, again, great time to be a trader, tough time, tough time, time to for long-term long, investor. Yeah. Long investor. Yeah, some of the developers in our office, you know, they all have, you know, retirement portfolios and I see them just being around us. They check their retirement every day and they're all getting nervous. And I tell them it's just, it's just a normal drawdown for now. Nothing to be worried about. So it'll be interesting. Uh, but the sectors, uh, of course, consumer discretionary got really hammered. I think down 8% for the week. Uh, utility held up slightly, but still finished in red. Consumer staples, same. 
Uh, energy had a really good start to the week, but closed red. That was shocking. What happened? Uh, I don't think it was too shocking, actually. I think if you look at the chart of uh, the XLE, which is uh, you know a, a bunch of an ETF that has a lot of the uh, large cap uh, uh, oil and gas uh, players in it. I mean, if you look at the way the run that it's had over the last two mm. weeks. I mean, it has had a monster run, and I was, you know, I was saying on some of my uh, my swing trade videos again, you know, this is getting really extended. Some of the candles it had been putting in over the last couple of days were looking, looking like it was getting toppy, um, and so, you know, I think we're getting uh, again, we're getting a pullback because we had such a big run on energy. Uh, but you know, when when you get into a market like this, there's just no place to hide. You, you know, it doesn't matter if you're. Um, you mentioned utilities. Yeah, there's just no place to hide. You know, even the staples. You know, they just sell everything um, and ask questions later. Yeah. Part of it could be, um, you know, margin covers. You know, mar getting margin calls, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But. Yeah, so I think, you know, there were two things that were going on with energy. So I still think the longer term trend in energy is up. But, uh, you know, this pullback could be an opportunity to um, to put to either add back to your positions or maybe look at look at a ABCD pattern on a, on a chart for for energy. Yeah. Energy has been. Yeah, I see that now that you're talking about that, Brian. Energy certainly, you know, it, I think the volume weighted average price on that was, you know, around what, $53, and that was only on December 20th. So in, in a month, you know, even with the sell it's had the past couple of days, it's still up 10 bucks, you know, XLE. So, I mean, it, it has been on quite the bullish run ever since it kind of went under the average price and then started to rally. Um, so that that is certainly is quite interesting there. So, yeah, it was quite extended, wasn't it? I mean, ten dollars a lot on a on a on an oh, index. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you know, if you I mean, it's a fifty, sixty dollars stock. Ten, you know, that's that's big. Twenty percent, you know. Yeah, but if you look at some of the the uh, large caps that make up that uh, XLE ETF, it's stuff like Chevron and and Exxon Mobil. And if you you know, if you were day trading and watching the scanners, you were seeing those yeah. during the during this week, and particularly at the beginning of the week, you were seeing those names popping up. Um, you know, on making new highs, making new highs continually. So those were, that's what was really kicking that into gear for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you know, bloodbath and sectors finishing red, let's get into earnings. Uh, today, uh, I mean, this video is probably going to be out on Saturday. So on Friday, yesterday, uh, Netflix had their earnings on Thursday after hours. And then it was a bloodbath, 25% down. Um, so basically, Netflix gave away every gain it had pre-pandemic, and like if you look at it fundamentally, they've added over one billion, or I think about about five billion dollars in net income to their retained earning, and that's all gone. The stock is just lost all those gains. That was incredible. I know Thor, you traded it, uh, yeah. but what do you think? Well, you know, you know me personally. In this instance, I'm a day trader, so and specifically an intraday trader. So I don't swing trade, I don't long term. So I'm I I pay attention to the price action as it is, and I traded it. So of course, naturally, after it opened and squeezed a bit, I shorted the junk out of it, and I wrote it all the way down to 384. Um, it was a really nice sell off. Um, you know, as people were starting to do that. But if you go back historically in time, I mean, Netflix, you know. It, it, it's it really has a congestion area that happens right around here. 
I mean, 397, 340. There's been a lot of transacting that's happened here. And today, interestingly enough, we picked up almost 58.8 million shares today, right? So we had the average shares traded on this on Netflix is somewhere around 5 million. So our vol today was on Netflix was what? Uh, let me see. 1,458% uh, was the R vol on Netflix. That's a lot of volume at this level without a lot of selling. So I'm so I actually kind of have this feel like we're going to get a gap fill on this thing really soon. I, I think Netflix is actually going to make new highs this next week, and I think it's going to squeeze like crazy back up into this gap. I, I it just just looking at the volume, but that was way too much volume at this level for this thing just to, to go like that. Something something else is going to happen here with it. I think it's going to come back up a bit. Yeah, it was funny. It kind of just held that 380 level, and I was just telling Artie just before we started here. Uh, after it held that level and started creeping back up again, I actually, uh, I actually sold some uh, puts, some 380 puts that uh, expire. They, they already have expired. They expired today, but I got a, a decent price for them. I think I got like 260 or 270, and I only sold a couple. But uh, you know, they expired worthless because the stock went right back up to 400 after that. So. Um, yeah, those those quick earnings plays are, are you know when you get that overreaction to the downside, and then they, then it sets a level where you know it's not going to probably go any down any further. So that was my logic on that trade. Well, and then again, anyone who is short in Netflix, you know, maybe back from let's say November, for instance, when Netflix was near seven hundred, right? Anyone who took a short position in Netflix is having a very good time right now. Um, because they're buying back almost $300 down on their position. So you could see the squeeze just based on massive short covering. You know, if you had one of those big groups um, shorted into this thing, it, we're going to have some fun playing it the other direction. Yeah. Tori, you know, that's very interesting how you said you, you're kind of anticipating a gap fill. Uh, in our podcast, uh, I think Peter interviewed Andrew, who was an algo trader at HSBC. And so he was working at a sales and trading desk. And he was saying when an institution buys a security at a certain price, they really defend that price. So if a pension fund got in uh, in Netflix at 380, they're not gonna let it let it break 380. They're they're gonna yeah. defend it. They're gonna continue to add to their position. So uh, you know we we might as well very likely see a gap fill in in Netflix. And the other well, thing, well, especially they could rotate out of other positions just to generate cash to to try and profit. 100%. Yeah. The other thing I thought was was interesting today because today was a huge option expiry day. I think it was probably the largest um, dollar value uh, option expiry that's that's uh, ever occurred in terms of value. And, uh, and I, you know, I said in the morning in the show, or in our, in our uh, chat room, I said, you know, they're pro I, I suspected they were gonna try to pin Netflix around 400 when, the, when it went out. And, it came, and it, they got it up over 400 at one point. And uh, I think it went out the day around 397, 398 sort of yeah, exactly. area. So uh, I thought, you know, for sure they were gonna try to bring it back up and pin it at 400, which is, you know, you get a lot of option traders and other I mean Brian they almost did I mean after I got out it I saw a large order coming in at 384 which is why I bailed at 384 because I knew we were going to squeeze 
And when they came in, I took my last orders off. And then we went right back to 400 and started ranging on 400 and did that almost the whole day. It wasn't until an hour before the close or so that we sold back down and then still almost got right back to 400 yeah, yeah, before we closed yeah, out. Right. And they, we closed out like 390, almost 399. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly that's the other reason I put that options trade on. I kind of thought I had a feeling they were going to try to pin it at 400. And this mm-hmm. is something that happens with options, uh, with options expiries. Um, we don't call them the profit of profit for no reason. I'm <laughs> just, no, I'm I, was, I, was, I was about to say, yeah. and you got paid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Paid. Yeah, just, just for kind of perspective, the implied move of Netflix before earning was 6.5%, which is a lot, but it moved 25%. Yeah. So yeah. even if you had a That's non- a lot. <laughs> even yeah. if you had a non-directional option like a straddle, you would have made a killing. Uh, like I, I set one up, but I didn't get filled at a price I wanted, so I, I missed out. But yeah, it, it would have been a real, wow. yeah. real good time. It would have been a good one, yeah. I wonder if Nate took that trade. He's the king of... He's the king of going crazy on, uh, on yeah. the options. Yeah. yeah. So next week, Really, really important earnings. I'm just gonna read out some of the notable ones and I would love to get your perspective on how you guys are, where do you think it will go and how you're gonna play it. Uh, Monday, we got IBM. We know IBM's been struggling. Uh, Tuesday, Microsoft, uh, J&J, 3M. Um, Wednesday, Tesla. I wonder how mm-hmm. that will work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Thursday, I think on Wednesday, we also got American Express. And then Thursday, we got uh, MasterCard, McDonald, Apple, of course, and then Friday we got some energy plays, Chevron. Uh, which one are you most looking forward to? Brian, I'll start with you. Well, I, you know, I think Tesla's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, if, if for no other reason, you know, Elon Musk may be on the call and, you know, he's always entertaining and, uh, you know, people are going to be looking for possibly some new products. I think there's some expectation that they may uh, roll the... Um, you know, the introduction of the, uh, the Cybertruck back again. Um, so there may be another delay in that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the, uh, the market takes, you know, his comments. Uh, personally, I don't like to try to make bets on, uh, on stocks going into earnings. So I, you know, I look for opportunities after they've reported earnings like I did today with Netflix. Uh, I did some last, uh, last earnings season where, you know, a stock would pop up. Uh, make a high and then start to pull back and then I would you know I would uh, short calls at that just above that high um, thinking that that was kind of the reaction that and then everyone was going to be selling after that so I kind of like to play earnings after they happen but um, it's just my style you, you know mm-hmm. and other people other people that I know will you know they'll look at the, you know the probability curve of you know like you said six and a half percent for Netflix so they'll look at a probability curve and take the you know the the fifth percentile on either side, and and sell put, sell puts and calls, and uh, hope they both you know hope that the stock store stays in the middle. There's all sorts of ways to play earnings, so it's just the way I like to play mine. Well, yeah, it's like one of the advantages to being a day trader um, is that I really don't know need to know what's going to happen 
I just need to do it, go with whatever's happening. So I'm kind of with Brian on that one. I, I normally don't overtly concern myself. Actually, quite the opposite, right? Um, I'm I'm kind of a you know buy the rumor, sell the news kind of guy. So generically, you know, if earnings come out and they're really good, I'm I'm gonna expect it to sell off. <laughs> if the earnings are really bad, I'm gonna expect it to squeeze. Right. So um, it, it's you know, I'm always a contrarian in the market because it just seems to be that that's the way it generically works. But there are so many of these stocks, especially in tech sector, that I feel like have already started to sell now. But earnings hasn't come out yet. So I don't know if maybe we're kind of maybe factoring this in a little bit. Maybe people are anticipating that these things are not going to be as so great. So maybe when the actual earnings come out, maybe those catalysts won't be as detrimental because I think people are kind of already bracing for the impact a little bit. I think, you know, I mean, you've seen some companies like Peton have already started releasing stuff now because if they don't, if they waited till another time to say what they're going to say now, it would have just crippled the company, not just fundamentally bruised it badly um but you know you're starting to see the you know even ahead of the earnings confessional if you will um you're you're starting to you know see some of these companies make announcements but i think piton if any company will kind of let us know that it's going to be really interesting earnings season because there's a lot of companies out there that you kind of would have thought man with the environment we've had lately these companies really should be killing it what what's going is there some other mix in here that maybe we're not prepared for and you know, I think that'll have a lot to influence um, the future of the queues and the spy will be what we see coming out of those, you know, Disney earnings, for instance. And, you know, my, you know, once all these other big tech giants start to really throw it out there, um, gaming uh, acquisitions, um, you know, that's coming into play now. I think that's going to be really interesting. You've seen stocks like Activision um, and all of those just skyrocket on buyouts. And it'll be very interesting to see how all that goes. Yeah. Did you play that, Brian? What's that? The Activision and Microsoft? No. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, the Activision Microsoft thing is a... Uh, Pause? Did you play that? Yeah. I definitely played Activision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, are you, are you talking about actual games from Activision or are you talking about the Activision? Yeah, well, yeah, I definitely played I played Activision long when that news oh, broke. Okay. I made really yeah. good money on Activision. Okay. Yeah, but it's interesting. They've got it discounted quite a bit, and you know it's the it's the old antitrust thing, and whether it actually will happen, um, and and when it's going to happen. I mean, you know, eighteen months, two years, it could take to for anything to get resolved. So sure. you know, um, and I think that's why people are just saying, you know, we're not going to, you know, that's why it's trading at such a discount right now. Activision is because it's uh, you know it's still. Uh, you know, it's still so far out, people just don't want to have their t money tied up. As it gets closer and it looks more promising, there'll probably be some arbitrage stuff going on. But uh, right now, it's just kind of, right now, it's kind of dead money. And, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, before I move away from earnings, one thing I noticed is on Tuesday, you have American Express. And then on Thursday, you have MasterCard and Visa. Mm. So one thing you could do if you're an option trader like myself is you could set up your straddle strategies for Visa and MasterCard on Monday so you get some sympathy action. So if Amex do a really bad job, you'll probably see a sell-off on Visa and MasterCard and you can capitalize on that before the market price it in. So that, that, was, that was interesting to me. That's, I'm, I might do that next week, mm, hopefully. Yeah. I, I need a good week. So next week better be, um, better okay. be a good next week. Okay, week's next week's Artie's week. All right, yeah. So we're moving on to our next segment where we review what happened in Twitter, uh, usually or in, mm -hmm. in a world of finance. 
Uh, this one's controversial, but I think I, I would love to get your get your opinion. We'll probably put a video of what happened if you don't know what happened. But uh, Chamad Palahapitiya, who's a you know a SPAC billionaire entrepreneur, uh, I don't know, he wears a lot of hats, but you know he has uh, I think six or seven SPACs out there. Uh, he was on his podcast and he said he does not really care about uh, you know uh, the concentration camps for Muslims in China. It's not it's below his line. In quotation, that's exactly what he said, and of course, it raised a lot of um, anger, sure. and yeah, right, I guess rightfully so. Uh, we can see the video. We'll probably edit and put the video in there. But uh, let's get to Brian. What do you think? Well, you know, I mean, you could make, you could say, I mean, he's come out and said it, but you know, you could say the same thing about Tesla. I mean, there, there, any any corporation that's doing business in China is de facto supporting that regime in some way. I mean, I don't even like buying products that say made in China just because, you know, I don't like the idea of supporting the Chinese Communist Party. Not, I'm not saying anything about the Chinese people. It's the, it's the Communist Party that, uh, that I'm concerned about. So, and it's their policies that are, are, you know, in part responsible for this. So, you know, I mean, like I said, I, you know, he's, he's come out and said that stuff. I mean, but, you know, you can think, you can take it back and just look at any company that's sort of doing business there, and it, and and this is the you know this is the issue with capitalism, right? I mean, they don't you know it, money is the most important thing, you know how we're going to make money, and that's you know sort of other issues are, unless they're really pushed like the ESG stuff, it's just going to be uh, it's all going to be all about the money. It's my that's just my opinion, but oh, love to hear it. Yeah, Thor, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly, you know, not an enjoyable thing to watch. I mean, he, I mean, all, all people, I suppose, are welcome to their opinions. It would not be one that I would support. Um, I, I, I personally believe that everyone should have, you know, I'm, I'm from America, so I, I want everyone to be free. I want everyone to live the lives that they want to live in the way that they want and have all the opportunities that they can. Um, I find it discouraging. Um, the, the, what I find discouraging is the lack of, um, coverage and and backlash to it. Um, there are so many. It, it seems like we're so tipped on the line for certain types of let let's call it not nice speech, right? But then there's other kinds that are equally, if not worse. And those, for some reason, we're not focused on. And you know, if that person is going to represent a company and be responsible for representing that company publicly, then, you know, my question is, does this person represent the views and the characteristics of that company? And I, and I would like to hope not, because I really enjoy the company that he works for, um, but I'll have to leave that to, for them um, and, and see how it goes. Um, I, I'm certainly will be, uh, you know, I wouldn't be, I'm not gonna be doing any kind of long-term stuff, you know, financially, probably with that ticker uh, for a while, but, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it's super tough, uh, touchy getting in like to some of the more like, like political kind of st stuff with this, but it's, again, I just, I just don't think it's like appropriate, like for public discourse like that. I mean, on a podcast and then again, no coverage of it whatsoever, no backlash, no sorries, misspoken, wrong thing. Just, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess he said, he said, I, I viewed it again. I watched it again and I felt like it lacked empathy. Uh, he didn't really apologize. He mm -hmm. just said it lacked empathy. Sure. But yeah, you know, when okay. you're a, he's a, he's a part owner of a basketball team. He's on board of directors of 
multiple companies, I think you have to be a little bit more careful. I mean, like even in this show, and we're not being sponsored by anyone, we're we're very careful. We sure. we might have different views, but we are, you know, very careful of, uh, yeah. yeah. So well, I think if anything, at Bearable Traders and you know at Peak Capital, um, we're in a very diverse and eclectic group of people. I mean, I'm I'm a Southerner from Florida. You know, we've got Vancouver, we've got Toronto, we've got Ontario, we've got Texas, you know, we've got, I think we've got Yemen, uh, we've got, you know, we, we've got traders, all, you know, we've got staff all over the world of all different cultural diversities, and we respect each other and value each other as individuals and people, you know, and that's where we start first, never, never, never to assume any one person just based upon their grouping has any specific type of intent. But what you don't assume is when someone comes out and says something blanket by statement, that's not an assumption. He's saying what he's saying. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if there are ramifications for that in the future or if we just blow right through like we seem to be doing. We've even got a, a Russian artificial intelligence man. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah, you, you know. Amen. It's true. We got our own yeah. Russian bot. It's yeah, true. amen. Yeah, and amen. Uh, amen. You should come on the show, by the way. I know. Yeah. I know you're watching this. Uh, you should definitely come on the show. And amen needs to come on the show yeah. for sure. And he's doing an amazing job with our stock trading simulator. We really thank him, him and Simon. Yeah, that's. Uh, that's amazing. But, you know, in, in terms of Chamad, I don't know how much lower his companies could go. I mean, uh, space, uh, SPSC is back to his SPAC price at $10. So yeah. how much more backlash can he get? All right. I think it's time for our new segments. And this is something that you guys talked about it in the comment section and we, we brought it over. So I really appreciate all the feedbacks that you're giving us. Uh, this is called Ask a Trader, uh, where you submit your questions and we ask those questions to our experienced uh, moderators in the chat room. So first question, uh, this person's asking, one issue I find is that I got so many indicators, VPA, tape, cam, pivot, Bollinger Bands, all running and different time frames. So he's ask, his, his question is basically, what should I do to kind of narrow it down and get on track? He, he, he often finds himself that he's uh, too focused on the indicators and forget about the trading. I think I think this really just gets back to you know your your trade book and you know what what is your what are the specific strategies that you're using in your trade book? Does it involve Bollinger Bands? I mean, if it does, then you need to have that on your chart. Does it involve moving averages? Then you need to have that on your chart. But the the important thing, and especially for for a, um, a new trader or someone who's just you know learning, uh, you you've got to you can't overcomplicate things. You know, don't have you know seven or eight different indicators on your um, on your screen. It's just gonna it's just gonna confuse you, um, and you're it's gonna take your focus away from finding the trades that are in your trade book that you've got that you know how you're gonna trade when you see them set up. So you know, narrow down that uh, indicator list to two or three, maybe four indicators. Like I just I use moving averages, the nine EMA and the twenty EMA. I use the VWAP. And uh, and then I just you know I just watch price action and uh, you know and uh, yeah and the time in sales and the and the level two and that's kind of all all I use you don't you don't need to have seven or eight indicators on it's just gonna confuse you exactly yeah I, I agree a hundred percent with Brian there there's a term that we utilize and that term's called analysis paralysis 
uh, and and basically, it, 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 you're, it's it's your question all out. You just got so much stuff on your screen that it's connect the dots it's like a Warshock test. You know, I mean, every oh, it's an ABCD pattern. It's a head and shoulder. I, there's just so much stuff there. You just can't take it out. So I, I actually, uh, Brian and I trade a very similar setup, actually. Um, I actually do not have any moving averages on my charts. Um, I do use a moving average cross indicator, which puts an arrow on my screen when the 9 and 20 EMA cross, which is what Brian uses as well. And, and that's a momentum indicator for me when the stock's rolling over. Um, and I like to pay attention to that. But otherwise, like Brian, um, what I like to do, and, and my recommendation is, use whatever level correlates right so when you're looking at a stock no one level will work on all stocks right so no one indicator will work on all stocks you need to pay attention to which indicator is working that's part of your job as a trader is actually to look through your indicator and say okay every time this comes to the opening price it rejects the opening price obviously the opening price is in play it is being defended you will watch the opening price, and if your time and sales reads heavy selling there, your level two shows heavy bid to the downside, then you can say we're rejecting, short sellers are coming in to push the price lower, and you can short the tape, right? And then you get a beautiful move down, you get a two or three cent entry risk on what ends up being a dollar move, and you make a lot of money and everyone's happy. But only after you identified which indicator was the indicator. If the stock's trending down, does it sell every time it pulls back to the nine? Does it sell every time it pulls back to the 20? There are algos involved. They will continue to do the same thing over and over again until they don't. So if you if you see that correlation consistently, that's the one, right? Then and that and again, that may not be the same indicator on every single stock you use. You know, different stocks use different algo programs with their market makers. You know, different sets are going in there. They're going to control. They're going to play differently. They have different participants. Right. So they take on different personality sets. You have to pay attention to what works there in the moment. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah. Very, very well said. And I think just to add on to what Thor said and Brian said, I think it comes from having too many indicators, I believe, comes from not having a well-defined trade book. So if you have that trade book well-defined, like for me as an option trader, I know exactly what I'm looking at. There's a few things I like to look at and that's about it. So once you spend some time and like fine tune that trade book, then you'll see what are, what are the indicators that you really need. But for sure, it's, it's really difficult. And I mean, a lot of people like to make it a lot more difficult than it is. You gotta keep it simple, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, next question, and I think this is, this is more for Thor, I think, because you are the king of VPA. It says, does VPA work under all market condition or are we seeing some technical work best at certain times for certain stocks like meme plays where volume swells up? Uh, volume swells up are obvious. What technical work best for choppy market? Cam pivots? So so, so yeah, so VPA is VPA. It's, it's all day, all the time, nonstop, no matter what happens, right? If VPA is not in play, neither is your stock, right? So you shouldn't be trading it. If you've got no volume, there's no reason to trade the stock. There are dozens of stocks every day in play with volume. Pick a new stock. Um, if VPA is in play and if your market is stuck in a range, so it's choppy, cams are awesome. I use Camarilla pivot points. Um, basically, what they do is they kind of try and mathematically uh, quantify the ebb and flow of the market as we overreact to value. So as we go away from value, how far is it going to get before it comes back? Or how far is it going to go until it breaks away? Right. So I, I am using those and they do help with ranges. But again, 
I'm going to kind of segue back to the prior answer. It's if you're playing a range, identify the range and then short near the top of it and long near the bottom of it. Don't long into the top of it. Don't short into the bottom of it. Let it break out, set a new range, test, create a new top and then short. Right. So it's all of these things are going to take to take patience to develop. But if you have a stock that's choppy and it's on low volume, don't play it at all. Um, I, like I said, there, there, I promise you dozens of stocks every single day, throwing 10 opportunities a day for an entry. The, the one thing you can't do is get hung up on one specific ticker that you just love this ticker. I want to just trade this ticker. Um, I mean, you can kind of do that with Apple. I mean, Apple kind of gives you something except for today. Um, but <laughs> sorry for anyone who traded Apple. Um, so, but, uh, you know, but for me, that's really kind of where you're going to be. Volume works all the time daily. Like I said, we were talking about spy volume. Let us see the distribution that was occurring on the spy. Um, you know, three months ago, starting, you know, today we can see the way it's selling off with confirmation. Volume gives us that on the daily, the weekly, but I use volume off of a one minute chart while I'm intraday trading, right? The, the small spikes and, and the anomalies that form within volume. Those are the biggest hints we get um, because with volume, we actually can see the a number of transactions at a specific level, you know, so we can really figure out where value is because we can see where the where the participants are making the largest number of transactions. There you go. Wow. Okay. You should you should you should PayPal Thor for that yeah. <laughs> long answer. Uh, go to my Twitter at Thor Young. I'm going to set up a tip feature. No, I'm kidding. They actually have that now. They sent me an email. You tip on Twitter. I was like, oh, okay. Brian, what do you, what do you think on that? I bet course? they report it to my taxes. Uh, uh, I, you know, I think uh, Thor is certainly the master of uh, of the VPA, and and uh, I can't really add anything more than he's already said. It's uh, everything I would agree with what he said. So, yeah. Yeah, great. Well, so that's that's about it. If you have more questions for next week, any questions that you want to ask Brian, you know, our guests, our moderators, uh, submit them maybe in the comment section. Uh, while you're doing that, if you haven't liked this video already, make sure to do so. It helps the algos, it helps you know Thor, it helps me, it, mo <laughs> it really motivates us. Make sure to subscribe to our channel. Uh, gentlemen, any last words before we say our goodbyes and get ready for another massacre week in the market? <laughs> well, you know, buckle up. I, I think uh, we're going to see a lot more volatility next week. Um, we've got, like I said, we've got lots more earnings on deck and... Uh, you know, it's uh, I, I, the bottom's not in yet. You know, you can start picking away, but uh, you know, watch for that, watch for that big that day with the big volume flush, and then uh, a return to the to the opening price. Uh, that that's kind of an indication. Maybe we'll get at least a, a bottom, some bottoming action for a bit of a bounce here. So look for that, look for that daily uh, doji candle. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> amazing. Yeah, for for me, for all the day traders out there. Put your hands together. It's hunting season, folks. Um, we, we've been complaining for the past three months because we've been stuck in a kangaroo market bouncing up and down. Well, guess what? That's not today, right? We've had massive sell-offs. We've had huge volatility on multiple stocks. We've had plays left and right. We are here, folks. Earnings season's coming in for your day traders out there. For investors, hang on for a minute. It'll come back in a little bit. Um, but day traders are going to get to play for a little while. Um, volatility is in. It's time to make some money, folks. So let, let's let's do this. Brian and I will hopefully be trading some opens together because uh, I, I need to make some money. And, and Brian and I only make money uh, when we trade the open together, and that's a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. Yeah, you, okay. you could backtest that. That yeah, is yeah. absolutely we'll a fact. Yeah. It. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Well, with that, that was another episode of After Hours with Traders. We'll probably see you next week. Uh, thank you so much for all your support, your views, your comments. It means a lot to us. Uh, and enjoy your weekend because yeah. it's hunting season, yeah. as Thor said on Monday. Monday Have a morning. good one. Have a good one, everybody. See you in the good chat. Good weekend. Bye-bye.